Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Live Through Jesus podcast with Courtney Gilmore. On this episode, giving and taking. The Eighth Commandment, do not steal. Exodus 20 and Deuteronomy 5. Quickly before we get started, if you're new to Live Through Jesus, make sure you go to livethroughjesus.com and sign up to receive your free five-week Bible study over Abraham. There you'll also find blog posts that coincide with the teachings on this podcast and social media links, which is another way to keep in touch throughout the week. Okay, let's get started. Don't take things that don't belong to you. Keep your hands to yourself. Leave that alone. That's hers. It's not yours. Don't touch it. We've heard all of these things since we were little bitty, right? So by the time we're adults, this eighth commandment not to steal should be pretty easy for most of us. We might think we got that one in the bag. There's a couple of others might be a little difficult, but I'm not a thief. I don't take things that belong to other people, and so I'm good on this one. I can just move on. Let's go to the next one. But there's a couple of sneaky things in there that God considers theft, and then he also says not to rob him. And that's a curious one. How do we take something from God? So let's just go ahead and get right into it. The Eighth Commandment says, do not steal. Don't take things that don't belong to you. But it also goes a little further and it says, don't even hang out with thieves because you might get wrapped up in their crimes. Proverbs 29, 24 says, whoever's a partner with a thief hates his own life. He swears to tell the truth, but he reveals nothing. So he's like, you're going to have to hide your, your friend's crimes if you hang out with them. So don't even hang out with people that don't have respect for other people's property. So this shows us that God cares about personal property. There's a lot of talk today about not being greedy, sharing of your wealth and things like that. And obviously those things are important, but not at the expense of the things that do belong to you. God does care about our own personal property, the things that we worked for and the things that belong to us. We have rights to those things and other people do not. If someone wants something that belongs to someone else, then instead of taking it from them or compelling them to share that thing that they worked hard for, instead, We should work hard for the things that we want. If we're jealous of something that someone else has, if we wish that we had that, then we need to work and acquire that ourselves. Ephesians 4.28 says, Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands, so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. So, sharing is important, but also working hard and acquiring things that belong to us and not requiring other people to share. There's a difference between willingly giving something to someone and then someone requiring that you give it to them because they just think, well, you've got plenty you can give to me. No, God says, if you want something, you work for it. And then when you have a lot, 
then you can share, you can give to other people. But don't expect other people to give to you if you're not willing to work for it. So don't take things that aren't yours. Do not steal. Everyone has a right to the things that belong to them. That right is given to us by God, not the government or not by personal decree. And those that steal are actually associated with Satan. And those that give are associated with God. John 10.10 says, The thief doesn't come except to steal, kill, and destroy. But I, Jesus, have come that they may have life and have it more abundantly. The thief that, that John is talking about is Satan. Satan has only come to steal, kill, and destroy. He respects no persons and no things. He takes what he wants. It's all about him. And so someone that does that is associated with Satan. But when we respect other people and their lives and their things, then we associate ourselves with God. So since God cares about personal property and the things that belong rightfully to us, Let's look at a couple of things that someone can take from another person. Exodus 21, 16 says, Whoever steals a man and sells him, and anyone found in possession of him shall be put to death. Deuteronomy 24, 7 says, If a man is found stealing one of his brothers of the people of Israel, and if he treats him as a slave and he sells him, then that thief shall die. So you shall purge the evil from your midst. So you can steal a person. That's kidnapping. And that theft is punishable by death. Stealing another person deserves the highest penalty. We are to respect other people's lives. First and foremost. Then Exodus 22, 1-4 to and 7-9 to says, If a man steals an ox or a sheep and slaughters it or sells it, he shall restore five oxen for an ox and four sheep for a sheep. If the thief is found breaking in and he struck so that he dies, there will be no guilt for his bloodshed. If the sun is risen on him, there shall be guilt for his bloodshed. He should make full restitution. If he has nothing, then he shall be sold for his theft. If the theft is certainly found alive in his hand, whether it is an ox or a donkey or a sheep, he shall restore it double. And so he's talking about a man, another man's animals here, but this would also be another man's food supply. So he's taking another man's food. He's taking another man's livelihood. He's taking another man's animals. And then it also just seems to be talking about possessions in general because he says, if a man breaks in. So if he takes another man's animal and he's already slaughtered it or he sold it, then he has to restore it to that man five times if it's an ox or four times if it is a sheep. And then if he hasn't slaughtered it or sold it and it's found alive with the thief, then he has to restore double. 
So he's not only giving back what he's taken, but he's giving back interest. He's giving back for the man's trouble. He's paying a price. He's paying a penalty for his theft. And then he also explains if you catch him breaking into your house and you're you're scared, you don't know what's going to happen. You don't know what he's going to take. You don't know what's going to happen to him. You have a complete right to kill this man if he's breaking into your house. He's trying to take your things and you catch him in the act. But when he says, if the sun rises on him, that means if it's the next day and you find out that he's done this, you can't go kill him after the fact. If he's breaking into your house, you're scared. You don't know his intentions. And so you have a right to defend yourself, your home, and the things that are in it. But if you find out later that someone has taken something from you and you find out who it is, then you go to him and then you find out whether it's still alive, whether he still has it or he sold. And so that's when he says, you know, if it's alive and it's with him, then you take that one back and he gives you another one for your troubles. If he's killed it or he sold it, then he has to pay you back five times if it's an ox and four times that if it's a sheep. So knowing that the person has a right to defend their own home and their the people within it and their property should deter a thief. But if not, then knowing that they'll have to pay back whatever it is that they stole and more than that is meant to be a deterrent. We're not supposed to take things that don't belong to us. And then the next thing that God says we can steal is land. Deuteronomy 19.14 says, You shall not move your neighbor's landmark, which the men of old have set, in the inheritance that you will hold in the land that the Lord your God is giving you to possess. So moving their landmark would be like taking a little bit of their land. You say, oh, you know, the property line's not here. The property line's really right here. And that means I get all of this and not just, you know, what belongs to me. If you're taking even a portion of something that belongs to someone else, then that's theft. You're cheating someone out of what rightfully belongs to them. So you may not be going and just robbing them, taking things out of their home, but you're cheating them just a little bit. God also talks about that same type of stealing, gaining dishonestly cheating someone out of something that belongs to them. In Deuteronomy 19, 35 to 37, it says, You shall do no injustice in judgment, in measurement of length, weight, or volume. You shall have honest scales, honest weights, and an honest ephod, and an honest hen. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt. Therefore, you shall observe all my statutes and all my judgments and perform them. I am the Lord. And then Deuteronomy 25, 13 to 16 says something very similar. You shall not have in your bag two kinds of weights, a large and a small. You shall not have in your house two kinds of measurements, a large and a small. A full and fair weight you shall have, a full and fair measurement you shall have, that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. For all who do such things, all who act dishonestly, are an abomination to our God. And so he wants us to be honest in our business dealings. 
when we cheat somebody out of money that we rightfully owe them or that they rightfully owe us or we're dishonest in how we measure the payments, either charging a little more than what we should charge or paying a little less than what we owe, then that's theft. We're robbing the person that we're paying of what they rightfully have earned or we're taking from them more than what we rightfully deserve. And so the prices need to be consistent and fair. God demands justice and says that cheating in our business dealings when we're dealing with money and possessions and food and all of those things is stealing. I want to read you several verses in Proverbs that have to do with that. Proverbs 11.1 1 says, Dishonest scales are an abomination to the Lord, but a just weight is his delight. 16.8 Better is a little with righteousness than great revenues in injustice. 20.10 Unequal weights and unequal measures are both alike an abomination to the Lord. 21.6 The getting of treasures by a lying tongue is a fleeting vapor and a snare of death. Getting treasures by a lying tongue saying it's worth more or less than it is to benefit yourself. And then 22.16, whoever oppresses the poor to increase his own wealth or gives to the rich will only come to poverty. And then Jeremiah 17.11, like the partridge that gathers a brood that she didn't hatch, so is he who gets riches but not by justice. In the midst of his days, they will leave him, and at the end, he will be a fool. So he's like, don't think you're going to keep things for long if you cheat. Be honest. Otherwise, that's theft. And then wages. You might not think of this as theft, but God says withholding someone's wages from them is like stealing. Leviticus 19.13 You shall not oppress your neighbor or rob him. The wages of a hired worker shall not remain with you all night until morning. And then Deuteronomy 24, 14 to 15. You shall not oppress a hired worker who is poor and needy, whether he's one of your brothers or one of the sojourners in the land with you in your towns. You shall give him his wages on the same day before the sun sets because he's poor and he counts on it lest he cry out against the Lord and you be guilty of sin. And so if someone has earned the money already and you're keeping it from them, then you're not giving them what they are owed. That actually, that money now belongs to them because they worked for it. And then you're withholding it from them and they can't pay their bills. That's what God's saying. And so now we may not pay our workers by the day, but if you expect to get your paycheck, at the end of the week or at the end of every two weeks or at the end of the month and your employer withholds that from you, then he's keeping money that you have earned. And so what God is saying is stick to the deal of your employment because the employee counts on that money and they've already earned it. It already belongs to them. You owe them that. And so if you withhold it from them, then you're stealing, you're You're taking money that belongs to them. 
And then charging interest. That's very interesting. That's taking from another person. It says in Exodus 22, 25 to 27, If you lend money to any of my people with you who is poor, you shall not be like a money lender to him, and you shall not exact interest from him. If you take your neighbor's cloak in a pledge, you shall return it to him before the sun goes down, for it's his only covering, and it is a cloak for his body. In what else will he sleep? And if he cries out to me, I will hear, and I will be compassionate to him. And then Leviticus twenty-five thirty-five to 38. If your brother becomes poor and he can't maintain himself with you, you shall support him as though he was a stranger and a sojourner, and he shall live with you. Take no interest from him or profit, but fear your God, that your brother may live beside you. You shall not lend him money at interest or give him food for profit. I'm the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt to give you the land of Canaan and to be your God. And then a couple more places it says this, Deuteronomy 23, 19 to 20. You shall not charge interest to your brother, interest on money or food or anything that is lent out at interest. To a foreigner you may charge interest, but to your brother you shall not charge interest, that the Lord your God may bless you in all which you set your hand to in the land that you are entering to possess. And then again in Deuteronomy 24, 10 to 13, when you make your neighbor a loan of any sort, you shall not go into his house and, and collect his pledge. You shall stand outside and the man to whom you make the loan shall bring the pledge out to you. And if he's a poor man, you shall not sleep in his pledge. You shall restore to him the pledge as the sun sets, that he may sleep in his cloak and bless you. And it shall be righteousness for you before the Lord. And so what he's saying is, is that it's considered robbery to charge interest to someone who is borrowing money for personal reasons. Someone that is down on their luck, that doesn't have enough money. And then you, you, you give them some money, but you say, now you have to pay this back at interest. Well, what happens whenever that person that's already poor is now having to pay back more money than they already owed. They're never going to get out of that debt. And so God said, don't do that. Don't profit off of another man's misfortunes. You also can't give them food and then make profit off of it. He says, if they need food, give them food. Don't profit off of their misfortunes, off of what they are lacking. That would be taking advantage of someone that is down on their luck, someone that is struggling, and that is not okay. Now, when he says you may take interest from foreigners, most likely this is talking about business dealings. You know, if you borrow from another country, most likely you're borrowing to, you know, build something or make something, do something. And so in our business dealings, whenever we borrow money to build something that we can then turn a profit off of, then that's a little bit different to charge interest for something like that because it's not hurting me at all. And I'm eventually going to make money off of this. And so I can give you a little bit more money than what I borrowed. So those are different situations. But when someone is borrowing for personal reasons because they can't pay for this thing otherwise, then you only charge them what it's worth and no more.
Otherwise, that would be profiting off of someone's misfortunes. And then he also talked about whenever you lend to someone and they give you a security deposit, don't go in and take it by force. Like, yeah, I'll give you this thing, but you better give me this in return. He's like, let them come and bring it to you in a show of good faith. Give them that courtesy. And then if they give you something that they need, like their their blanket for the night to keep them warm, and this is a poor person, then don't keep that. You know, just take it as a token of the pledge that they're going to pay you back. But don't really keep it because this is something that they absolutely need. And so this is just trying to say to us that, yes, this person is saying to us, I want to prove to you that I'm going to pay you back by giving you this pledge. But if they're poor and this is something that they need, we need to be able to take them at their word. Now, Jesus takes this even a step further. And he actually says, lend to people without even expecting to be paid back. When we do this, we know we're doing out of the kindness of our own hearts and also out of the abundance that God has already given to us, right? And so he says in Luke 6, 34 and 35, if you lend to those who you expect to receive, then what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners if they expect to get that same amount back. But love your enemies and do good and lend expecting nothing in return. And your reward will be great and you will be the sons of the Most High. For he is kind to the ungrateful and to the evil. And then. Down in verse 38 of that same chapter, he says, Give and it'll be given to you, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. For with the measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. And then Proverbs 19, 17, Whoever is generous to the poor lends to the Lord, and he will repay him for his deed. So, God has given generously to us. And if we have enough to give to someone else who is in need and we don't expect it back, then God will repay us. He will make sure that we have everything that we need. He'll make sure that if we ever find ourselves in need, that someone else gives to us or that he makes sure that we never are in need because we're generous. So he says, don't think Oh, I can't give this away because what if I don't have enough for myself? God said, no, give it away. I will reward you. I will pay you back. You will have enough. Proverbs 28, 8. Whoever multiplies his wealth by interest and profit gathers it for him who is generous to the poor. So this is saying that those people that we were talking about before, those people that lend at interest or give to someone for profit whenever that person is poor and in need, loans to them in that way. He says, you think you're gathering riches for yourself. You're profiting off of all these people that are down on their luck. But all you're doing is gathering wealth for someone else because I'm going to make sure that you don't get to keep that and that that goes to somebody that is going to be generous. That's not going to take advantage of people. And so we're supposed to be generous with the things that God has given us. Because how can we expect God to give us more than what we're willing to give? I mean, 
What if he just says, yeah, I don't want to give to you. You need something, but I'm not going to give it to you or I'm going to give it to you, but I'm going to require so much of you that you feel continuously in debt to me. If we ever find ourselves in need, then how could we fairly ask God for help or someone else for help when we know we've withheld it from other people or we've profited from their misfortune? We really can't. And so God says, give generously. Don't hold back and definitely do not profit off of someone else's misfortune. That is actually theft, profiting from them, taking from them when all they are is in need. And then also God says we should give to him. Leviticus 27, 30 to 34 says, Every tithe of the land, whether of the seed or the fruit of the trees, is the Lord's. It's holy to the Lord. If a man wishes to redeem some of his tithe, he can add a fifth to it. Every tithe of herds and flocks, every tenth animal that passes under the herdsman's staff shall be holy to the Lord. One shall not differentiate between good and bad, neither shall he make a substitute for it. And if he does substitute it, then both it and the substitute are holy, and it shall not be redeemed. These are the commandments that the Lord your God gave to Moses on Mount Sinai. And then again in Deuteronomy fourteen twenty-two to 29, he says, You shall tithe all the yield of your seed that comes from the field year by year. Before the Lord your God, in the place that he will choose to make his name dwell there, you shall eat the tithe of your grain, your wine, your oil, your firstborn of your herd, your flock, that you may learn to fear the Lord your God always. If the way is too long for you so that you aren't able to carry your tithe when the Lord your God blesses you because the place that he's chosen is too far for you, then you shall turn it into money and bind up the money in your hand and go to the place that the Lord God chooses and then spend the money there for whatever you desire, oxen, sheep, wine, strong drink, whatever your appetite craves. And then you shall eat it there before the Lord your God and rejoice, you and your household. Also, you shall not neglect the Levite who lives within your towns, for he has no portion of inheritance with you. And so at the end of every three years, you shall bring out all the tithe of the produce in that year and lay it within your towns. Store it up there is what he's saying. And then the Levite, because he has no portion or inheritance with you, and the sojourner, the fatherless, and the widow who are within your towns shall come and they shall eat and be filled. And the Lord your God may bless you in all the work of your hands that you do. And so not only are we asked to give to others, but we're asked to give to God. And then it says that the Levites, because they didn't have a job of their own or land of their own or a way to make money because they worked for God. They worked basically at what was the church back then. That was their job. Then the people paid them for their service to God and them in these tithes. And so that's the same thing that we do today. When we give money to our church, we give money to pay the bills for the church, and we also give money to pay the people that have dedicated their lives to God and don't have another job. This is their job, to work for God, and we pay them for that. 
And so he said, I want you to take a tithe of the things, a tenth of the things that you have, give it to the Levites. Also want you to take a tenth of the things that you have. And I want you to go to the tabernacle or the temple, the central meeting place. And I want you to have feasts several times a year. And we're not going to talk about all of those feasts, but there were several times a year that God would call the people to go to the temple and have a feast in his name and sacrifice the animals and give 10% of the animals that God had given to them. And then 10% of the crop that he had just allowed them to grow. And they would cook this food and they would have a big celebration. And so it's a sacrifice that the people are giving to God, but they're also being able to enjoy it as they gather and worship God together. And then he gives, lays out, you know, if you can't bring your animals and your food because it's too long for you, then what you need to do is when you get to the tabernacle or the temple, then you sell those things in the town that you live in. And then when you get to the temple, you buy the food that you want and there you sacrifice it and eat it. And actually, this thing about charging interest to people, this was when Jesus lost his temper at the temple, if you remember, where he turned over the tables of the money changers. And this is because they knew that the people had traveled a long way and they knew that the people were supposed to bring a sacrifice and they were supposed to bring this food and have this big feast at these certain times. And so the people would set up and they would mark up their prices, which is the same thing as what God was saying about charging interest or giving someone food and charging a profit for it because you know they're in need, right? That's what he's saying. He's not saying don't make money off of things. He's saying these money changers knew that these people were traveling to the temple and they were going to need these animals and this food. And so they knew they could mark it up as high as they wanted. And the people would have to buy it because they'd already sold their stuff at home. And so this would be robbery. And that's why Jesus was so angry. He said that you have made my father's house a den of thieves. He called them thieves. He said, you are robbing these people. And so that was what was happening there. The people were bringing their tithes, bringing a tent, and then the people were cheating them out of the money. And so today we don't go to the temple and celebrate these feasts and all of those things, but we are supposed to give a portion of what God has given to us to the church. And this is to pay for all the things that are required in running a church, whether it be bills or the people that minister there. And then also, if you notice, he says, you know, you need to store some for those that don't have anything, that can't get anything because they don't own land or they don't have a way to make money, which would be, you know, the strangers, the people that are just passing through, and then also the widows and the orphans. And so we also give today to the church and most churches have a benevolence fund where they will give to people in need. And that's from the things that we've given to the church. And so for us today, it's tempting to withhold the, the things that we have, the money that we have, either for our own selfish gain or maybe just because we're worried about our finances and we don't feel like we can give 
But God says to honor him in doing this thing, in giving back just only a little bit of what he's given to us. Everything we have actually belongs to him. And so he says, if you withhold this from me, you're actually robbing me of my portion. It's just like the wages. Whenever a person has earned that and you're withholding it from them, they've earned that. That belongs to them now. God says, a portion of what I've given to you belongs to me. And when you withhold that from me, then you're robbing me of what I'm owed. So we're supposed to honor him and obey him in doing that. And then if we're scared to give that because we're like, I know you gave me some, God, but it's just enough. I don't think I can make it if I give you back. He says, trust me. Trust me in this. Just as he said before when he said, you know, don't require it back from them. If you lend to them, don't require it back to them. I will repay you. It's the same thing if we give to him. He will make sure that we have enough. We're not going to be lacking. We might be lacking. You know, sometimes we might say, well, I gave to the church and now I don't have enough money. But that's not why you don't have enough money. God's never going to make it where we don't have enough money because we gave to him. Most likely, yes, we did give to the church, but we also spent money on other things that we didn't need to. Or we set our bills so high that we don't have enough to give to God. So we have to trust that God's going to provide for us if we're going to give back to him. So I want to read you a couple of verses on this and then we'll close. Malachi 3, 8 to 12 says, Will a man rob God? Yet you're robbing me. And then you may say, How have we robbed you? And God will say, in your tithes and your contributions, you are cursed with a curse because you robbed me, the whole nation of you. Bring the full tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Thereby, put me to the test in this, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you blessings until there is no more need. I will rebuke the devourer for you so that it will not destroy the fruits of your soil and your vine in the field that you will not fail to bear, says the Lord of hosts. Then all nations will call you blessed for you will be a land of delight. So did you catch all of that? He says, you're robbing me of tithes and offerings. Don't withhold what I'm due. Give me all of what I'm owed and then I'll make sure that you have enough. Test me. See if it's not true. And then listen to what he says, how he's going to make sure that they have enough. He says, I will open the windows of heaven for you and I will pour down blessings until there's no more need. I will bless you. You will have what you need if you give to me. And then listen to this. This is amazing. He says, I will rebuke the devourer so that it will not destroy the fruits of your soil. So he's saying, I will not allow anything to eat your crops and I will make sure that your vine doesn't fail to bear fruit. So he's like, I'm going to be in control of all of the ways that you make money. And I'm going to make sure that your business gives you what you need in order to survive. 
And then he says, then all the nations are going to call you blessed and you will be a land of delight. Proverbs 3, 9 to 10, honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce. And then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. This is not just enough. This is abundance. God is going to give you plenty. You will have more than enough. 2 Corinthians 9, 6 to 8, whoever sows sparingly will reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will reap bountifully. Each one must give as he's decided in his heart, not reluctantly, not under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. So he said, God can give you whatever you need. So invest generously. Give cheerfully. Don't do it because you have to. Don't do it reluctantly. Give freely because God is able to give freely to you. Trust him in that. He said, my grace is sufficient for you. I love you. I have favor on you. And if you will give back to me, then I will give to you. How can we expect God to give us things whenever he knows we're just going to be stingy with them? But he says, I'll keep on giving to you if you will keep on giving to me, if you will keep on giving to others, if you will keep on being generous, I will be generous to you. If you sow sparingly, you'll reap sparingly. But if you sow generously, you will reap generously. And so we want to be like Jacob who says, of all that you have given to me, I will give a tenth back to you. I will give a portion of what you've given to me back to you. I will not withhold what belongs to you, God. You've given to me so freely. And so I'm not going to store it away and keep it for myself. I know that everything I have doesn't belong to me anyway. It was given to me by you. So I'm going to trust you. I'm going to love you. And I'm going to give to you. And I'm going to give to those in need. I will not rob God right? We don't want to be a thief. So lots of interesting things about stealing as we actually look at it, especially when it concerns God. So that's all we have for today. Next week, we'll be talking about the ninth commandment. So make sure you subscribe so you don't miss that episode. Also, go to Live Through Jesus and check out the blog post that has to do with this. It's talking about robbing God, about how everything we have belongs to God. And so make sure you check that out in any of the other blog posts that are there. And then feel free to comment here or send me an email. My email address is also at the website. And then join me on all social media. I'll be putting a lot of these verses on in the next few weeks. So make sure you look at all of those things at the website and then join me back next time for the ninth commandment. Thanks and have a good day.